If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, and I'm joined always by my co-host, Jason Madison. What's going on, Jason? What's up, Trey? Just chilling, bro. And we have a special guest today, Bomani Jones. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. I'm good. What's going on with y'all? Not much. Absolutely, man. Uh, Bomani Jones is an American sports journalist who's currently employed by ESPN. He's the co-host of Highly Questionable with Dan Levitard and the former co-host of High Noon. He's also a regular panelist on Around the Horn. Bomani also hosts the podcast, The Right Time with Bomani Jones for ESPN and his own podcast, The Evening Jones. Bomani, this is the one of the two. You ready? Yeah, um, I just went to go check this. And yes, that is the first paragraph from the wiki. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I I did a little, uh, you know with some of the words but yeah you did the hard you did the hard work on the research you got <laughs> deep <laughs> all right madden or 2k madden i tried the 2k like in the dreamcast era and yeah. it never got me off the madden i stuck with the madden that dreamcast controller man it just had too much going on at the time like it's the normal thing for life now but then i was just like yo i don't even like this this shape everything's throwing me off i was always on Madden. street fighter or tekken Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I would probably say Street Fighter, right? Because like Street Fighter was kind of OG in that space, and I enjoyed Tekken, but like Mortal Kombat was the was the one. You're right. PTI around the horn. Ah, uh, so that is a very interesting question. PTI around the horn. I have obviously made a lot more money doing around the horn, so I'm going to go there strictly for self indulgent purposes. All right, Whitlock or Skip Bayless. <laughs> all right next I'll, I'll actually say this though um i am probably i'm not even necessarily fond of him but i am fonder of skip bay this probably than most people are like the one thing that gets lost about skip is that he is actually he is a boss at doing that job and he is the og for everybody doing this talking on tv like this like skip paved the way 
whether people want to admit it or not. Exactly. Twitter or Clubhouse? Uh, I'm going to go with Twitter, though. Like, I'm try- I've been trying to excise myself off of Twitter for years, if I'm being honest. And I get on Clubhouse. And when I, first- I was on Clubhouse mad early, right? Like, I'm one degree of separation from, like, the OG class at Clubhouse. So that meant that when I got there, there wasn't really nobody to talk to. But now the problem is all the people I'm trying to get away from is all going to Clubhouse. I don't want to hear them talk. Exactly. Uh, audiobook or podcast? Ah, uh, podcast. Audiobook requires a little bit more attention. Grilled cheese or PB&J? Huh, good question. Grilled cheese. Houston or Atlanta? I don't like answering this question. <laughs> it, puts me, it puts me in a very awkward sort of place. Well, here's the thing I do have to say is I grew up in Houston but I spent more time with a car in Atlanta. So like, I know Atlanta, I went to college in Atlanta. So I know it and experience it in a different way. Braves or the Falcons? Oh, the Braves, man. Like, you know, the Falcons, as I've told you many times, I'm off that narcotic, but the Braves, the first thing I ever loved that wasn't family. Right. Harden or T-Mac? Uh, James Harden has never been as much fun to watch as Tracy McGrady was like, Hard stop. I don't need to go to, I don't care what the actual effectiveness of either player is, right? Like, you give me an option. Watch James Harden or watch Tracy McGrady. It's Tracy McGrady every time. Feel that. Greg Maddox or Chipper Jones? Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox. Yeah. Maybe the best part about Greg Maddox is we don't really know that much about him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I get the feeling that Chipper kicking with a whole lot of people that ain't trying to kick it with me. Right, right. Uh, Griffey Jr. or Barry Bonds? Oh, Barry Bonds. They they are not in the same class of player. Like, and people get mad when I talk about that too. But no, there's Barry Bonds and there's like everybody else. Right. To me, Barry Bonds is the best baseball player, like pound for pound of all yeah. time. Yeah. So. Like at the very least, post-World War II, he yeah. is the best player that there ever was. Griffey was just a little bit cooler and he did not antagonize people in the same way. But like, who's a better baseball player? It's not even a discussion. Griffey's best year is like maybe an average year for Barry Bonds. Um, JR Crickets or American Deli? JR Crickets. That, that feels more local and intimate. Uh, Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson. Lil John or Jermaine Dupree? Lil John. Craps or Blackjack? Blackjack. MySpace or Black Planet? Whoo, I'm old enough to have an opinion on both. I guess I'll go with MySpace. <laughs> Bloomberg or Warren Buffett? I don't really be like having choices on my super rich titans. You know what I mean? They they all the same dude to me. Ice Cube or Lil Wayne? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Strictly as rapper, Ice Cube, because I'm 40 years old now. Okay. AT Aliens or Equimini? Equimini. Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Uh, Nirvana. Mardi Gras or the Bayou Classic? Bayou Classic. Godfather 2 or Terminator 2? Godfather 2. Any given Sunday, remember the Titans. How about I've never seen either of them? What? Yeah, I think I've seen parts of Any Given Sunday. Remember the Titans. I'm not attracted to those stories at all. Right, what? like when Chris, like when Chris Rock talk about why he hates civil rights movies, I right. look at Remember the Titans. All I gotta do is see the commercial. I'm like, oh, okay, I see what y'all trying to do here. Oh man, now that's one of Denzel's. Like, I mean, it's not his best performance, but I'm just saying, it's like a yeah. good dad. 
It's like you know when Denzel started taking those dad roles. Yeah, yeah, like, good for good for him. Good for y'all. I got a daddy. He cool as hell. I feel that. Uh, and any given Sunday is just a funny ass. Like it's not supposed to be funny, but it's a funny depiction <laughs> of football. So right. Like one of those movies. Um, coming to America or trading places? Coming to America. Killing them softly or bigger and blacker? Bigger and blacker. Breaking Bad or The Wire? The Wire. Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Freakonomics? Wow, I hate them both, like equally. Uh, I don't really hate Freakonomics. I think it's got a certain value to it. But like back from my academic days, the criticism that we had of Levitt was he did all this cool, like all this fun stuff with the economics that like, had no substance to it. It was just like, ooh, look at what I can do with modeling. And then we'll go from there. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like I'm surprised that book got a barcode. Like that is like the OG book for everybody that's trying to run your pockets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, white Dante or White Chocolate? White Chocolate was a better basketball player. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go with White. And the funny thing to me about White Chocolate is I don't even feel like White Chocolate is actually giving you that much black. He just from West Virginia. Right. Right. Like White, like Jason Williams and Randy Moss kick it the exact same way. It is not because either of them le- leans in a racial direction. They just really got one mode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, supermarket sweep or the price is right? Price is right. Biggie or Jay-Z? Biggie. Nas or Tupac? Tupac. Monopoly or Scrabble? Scrabble. Rap in 1994 or 1998? Oh, 94. Halle Berry or Summer Hyatt? Halle Berry. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great grandkids? Definitely would rather meet my ancestors. I can't imagine what kind of sniveling brats the next generation about to be. Would you rather be able to uh, talk to animals or speak all foreign languages? All foreign languages. Would you rather be hot all the time or cold all the time? Hot all the time. Um, would you rather be free or totally safe? Uh, I'll go with free. And the last, would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the smartest person? Why can't you be both? Just raising the question, you know, <laughs> like depending on the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I pulled it off before. Yeah, well, that was the one of the two, bro. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me say, you know, if I had to pick one though, I think I'd rather be the funniest person in the room. You, you could, you get more benefits of being the funniest person in the room than being the smartest person in the room. Nobody likes the smartest person in the room most times, you know. Depends, you know. The well, yeah, I like oh, it. Well, the well, actually, guys. Yeah, that right. Nobody likes that guy. I mean, but like, if you're the actual smartest person in the room, you just have to be able. I've, been, I've said this for the longest time about Rajon Rondo. Rondo's problem is he does not know how to make people feel good about how smart he is, right? And so once he got older and young dudes came in the league, they did feel good about how smart he was but the cats right. that were older than him he was not presenting his shit in a way that would make you be they were like yo it's so good that rondo's so smart it's like yo man he think he know everything yeah no sometimes your intelligence works against you as a young person because you're it's like combined with your arrogance and then when you get older it's like it's viewed as more as wisdom and like you said the young kids are able to appreciate it and you're not like the 23 year old asshole anymore who knows it all yeah like if your hook is how smart you are that's it. That is not as easy to pull off as people might believe. 
because people would like to be that smart and resent the hell out of you for the fact that they are not. Yep. Well, on this episode of Trading Cards the Same. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why we say that is because everybody grew up loving trading cards, apparently. This is all our guests, mostly. You're probably like our fifth guest that like enjoyed trading cards. So tell me a little bit about Bomani, younger Bomani, and baseball cards. All right. So I was super duper baseball nerd when I was a kid. Like first thing, first game I ever loved watching, playing any of that was baseball. Like the first bonding thing me and my daddy would really have was like watching the Braves. Like that was our thing. When we moved to Houston, um, yeah, the Superstation. You boys might be too young to understand this, right? This is in like the nascent days of cable. And little did I know that the Atlanta Braves would still be on television in Houston. Right. So that was like the one familiar thing I always had was the baseball. And so that was always my thing. And so if you are the nerd inclined smart kid and baseball cards got all the stats on the back. Right. You got all kinds of numbers to stare at. And in retrospect, I don't know what exactly is so exciting about a damn baseball card. Right. Like just the idea, like all kinds of kids love baseball cards. You just get them and you just put them in a book. They don't do nothing for you. They don't do no tricks. They don't do anything like that. Right. But then you get to that point where people tell you that they're worth some money. And now all of a sudden you turn into like some level of capitalist. But on top of that, like the little bit of money that your mama giving you in the 80s, right? What are you going to buy other than like some snacks or a pack of baseball cards? What, what, what are you going to do with one single solitary dollar? When I think about Superstation, I think WGN with the Bulls, where you could watch them everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was probably my exposure to that as far as an elite team, like being shown no matter where the place of the country, I could go catch them. So right. as far as the Braves, I knew the Braves were hot shit, but like I just didn't. I think I was, you know, I'm, I'm five years your senior. So I probably missed that wave as far as the Braves being. I remember the David Justice days and the. You mean his yeah. gym? Junior, five years. Yeah, I was about to say, damn, yeah, word? Nah, um, yeah, nah. But <laughs> Black see, don't I, crack, though. <laughs> but now the Braves were sorry when I got on board with them. Like, my daddy okay. regretted that he ever let me do that. Because he was like, was Ron, was Ron Gant on that team? Ron Gant, Ron Gant got there when they were sorry. Dave Justice got there when they went from worst. To, they went from worst in 1990 to first in 1991 and went to the World Series. And then the run began. But there's some of us, we put in some equity. Like, we put in some time and dealing with losers you know and then we finally got it to come around and I so respect those type of people because i i've never I've, i think as a kid i was always a front runner and now my teams are fucking trash as an adult that's what you get that's what you get <laughs> hey and 10 11 12 it was mj Emmett, dion you know uh jeter like and now I look at it and like when we lose or they get in the playoffs and shit i'm just like oh you know, but then, you know, the people that actually cry when they win, you know, I mean, like I watched mm -hmm. the Dodgers this year win. Right. And I'm like, damn, they haven't won since 88. I didn't yeah. think of that shit like that. You oh, know what I mean? Time. I'm like, why are people crying? But then I'm like, yo, they either been good when you just was alive <laughs> and then they were just kind of getting there and then bad and then just getting there and then bad and then kind of the Buffalo Bills of baseball for a little yeah. bit. Well, oh, also, we they had no reason wild. to not be good. Like, that was a big thing for Dodgers fans. It's like, why is this not happening? And then they had all that time with the owner who didn't have no money. The greatest hustler of all time bought the team with no money, sold it for a billion dollars, and got to keep the parking lot. 
Was he ten for hey, two? It was it was it was tricky for a long time. I got on. We had Adele Nomo and Brett Butler and all those cats. So ninety six for you? Yeah, like ninety six, ninety six. That's when I was like nine, ten. That's when you kind of fall in love with you know sports, baseball, or whatever. But it's funny because um, you was talking about David Justice, and it's it's kind of like mystifying to me how he just disappeared from American life. Like he used to be so like effortless. He was a, he was well, a DV guy though. <laughs> well, like he no 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 he was not. That's the one thing. Oh, he, he wasn't. Was all, no no that's the thing is that he gets lumped into that and he's like no it wasn't me. Oh. Oh, um, he was domestic but, violence guy. Yeah, no. Nah, what happened with David Justice? I don't think he disappeared from life as much as he used to be married to Halle Berry. Then he wasn't married to Halle Berry no more, which meant that the people who didn't really care about baseball, their reason to care about him, then vanished. That's very true. That's very true. But yeah, I mean, he was just so. I just remember in the '90s, like he was on the Jet magazine cover with. Yeah, because he was married to Halle Berry. Yeah, like all that. What was your favorite card? Or do you remember your first card you ever opened a pack and you were like, just fell in love with? I don't remember the first one, but I will tell you this story that I've told recently and it comes around full circle very nicely now. So for those people who have some experience with collecting baseball cards, Upper Deck, right? As a card brand, when it came out, it was like the first real premium card brand, right? Their, their cards looked better. The photography was better. Like all of that stuff in 1980, the 18, 1989 set was the first from Upper Deck. And card number one was King Griffey Jr. And that card became like a hot commodity as Jr. became a big deal um, and all of that stuff. And it became worth a lot of money at, at a point. I don't even know what it's worth now. But anyway, so one day I'm at a baseball card show. My mom had to take me there and she gave me some money to spend. I ran out of money. I found what I thought was a good deal on that King Griffey Jr. card and I asked her if she would give me like $10 to, you know, to go get that card, whatever it was. You got to understand, man, we were not poor. All right. Like I would not say that we were rich, but like $10 wasn't changing nothing in the Jones household. She told me that that was too much money for me to spend on a baseball card. I just shrugged my shoulders. I was accustomed to my mama telling me that she wasn't spending money on stuff. Kept it going. Man, at some point I come back around or I turn around. I can't remember which one it is, man. And she over there negotiating a deal for that card. Not for me. Not for me. For herself. For herself. And she copped it. This is 1991. Everybody was assuming that she was just going to give it to me. Incorrect. She copped it. She kept it. It was visible. I could always see it. So anyway, I turned 40 this year and I am now impossible for my parents to, to shop for, for gifts, you know, holidays and stuff like that. Right. Like anything I want, I can get at this point, all this stuff is not easy for them. And so my mama told me that she had sent me a gift over to my brother's house. And I said, all right, and I go to my brother's house and I forget what the box was, but it was a box that had some sort of labeling on the outside. And I, no, I saw it like my brother gave it to me and it was like a box. It was a thank you card box. And I was like, wow. What's more mom than sending me a box of thank you cards to thank people for birthday gifts that nobody got me, right? Like, that's what I'm thinking it is. So I looked at it. I was like, oh, it's thank you cards. My brother's like, well, I think she probably put something in there. I'm like, oh, you're right. So I open a box, pull it out, and it's tissue paper. And I start unwrapping it. And as I start unwrapping it, I start getting a gauge on what the size is. And halfway through, I just start busting out laughing. Because by the time I got to the end, it's that Ken Griffey Jr. 1989 upper deck card. I only had to wait 30 years.
Hey, she so she really played the long game. <laughs> she didn't play the long game. She bought that for herself and then looked up and was like, I'm getting old. He's getting older. What better time than now? Man, that's a that's a sick gift, man. <laughs> it was no, I disagree with you. I I think it's a cool gift, but the sickness of the gift is only tied to the cruelty of making me wait so long. Right. That's what it's I'm only talking about. A sick like, that's gift. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's only a sick gift because she did me wrong in the first place. Oh, that's that's hilarious, dude. All right. You shared that card. What is a card? Or what was your last card you ever collected? That's a good question. Cause I got got for my baseball cards at school one day. Like because like when I was in like middle school, like that's when it was at the height of the industry. And somebody got me um, during PE. And I remember like that go round. That's when like Tops was putting out the stadium club and all of that stuff. Like I was never, I was less about having like the one particular as much as I was just trying to get as many, as much of the hot shit as I possibly could. Right. Like the fun with baseball cards really was like, you could go buy an individual card and that was cool. But basically, man, we was all gamblers, right? We were all going and getting a pack. And hoping that if you open that pack that costs you two, three dollars, that you can get something out of it that was worth eleven or twelve. That never happened, by the way. That never, ever, ever, ever happened. But that was the game. Like the thrill of what's in this was always like maybe the best moment of all of that stuff. Man, yeah, dude. I like I say, I've told the story on this pod so many times about my uncle having a box. My uncle's like 43 now. I remember having Skybox and then Don Russ and all those. Like all those brands. And I think the my go my my holy grail card is Dion as a Falcon going into like he's like like stealing a base and then returning a kick kick return. So mm-hmm. it's like he's taken off and it's upper deck and then you have to hold it to the side to see it. And it also oh, I remember came, that. And it came out. Upper deck be- used to have all them like multiple exposure joints mm-hmm. and all of that. Like I do remember though, the one that I was always trying to get and I never got. It was two versions of it, right? It was Bo Jackson. And there was the one picture that was him with the shoulder pads on and the bat yep. over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. But the less well-known and harder to find is it was one with him in the shoulder pads holding the bat. That was the one I always was trying to get and never did. I'm not yeah. sure who disrespected Bo Jackson. I think it was Nick Wright that said he was overrated. He sure did. Almost, I almost broke my computer watching that. Dog, I was so fierce at him about that. I accidentally sent him a text that was about him, but I accidentally sent it to him using language that I would typically not use with my white friends. I was, I was furious, furious. I'm not, and I'm not mad at it. Slip up meant to happen. Furious. Now we spent enough time on growing up with trading cards. The next thing, tell us about how Bomani became the Jeopardy master. All right. So here's the thing about me. I grew up in like suburban Houston, Northwest side of Houston probably as far north and as far west as you can go and say that you're in Houston, right? Because like Houston, Houston's tricky. We start talking about whether you are or are not from Houston, right? I have the hardest time explaining this to people because cats from the south side don't believe that nothing on the north side of Houston is actually in Houston. They're based there. They might as well be two different cities, right? So anyway, I went to school. My parents worked at Prairie View A&M University, which is like 25 miles or 20 some miles outside of the city. And so that's where I went to school. I went to, I went to school in this little town called Waller. So that is important context, which is to say, I did not live anywhere near my house and there was no bus 
that was going to run me back to the crib. So after school, I would ride the bus and get off as close as I could to campus. And I could either go to my mama's office or I could go hang out at the barbershop with the old heads. And so I would go hang out at the barbershop with the old heads. Cause I mean, as a kid, we all know this, man, when you little and you just get to hang out, like it's the, it's your chance to be around grownups, right? Cause if there's anything that kids like boys want to do is hang out with the big boys, right? Like that's always what you want to do. And that's who they were. And so I would post up in the barbershop and Jeopardy would come on in there. And I had like crazy recall. Like if I hear it, I could throw it back at you. Like with that youthful ability to do Who's that. Who's the with the letter Q for 200, please? Answer, a custard pie often made with cheese and bacon. Gloria. What is a quiche? Yes. Okay, who's Ooh. with Q for 300, please? A large edible clam of the Atlantic coast. Gloria. What is a quahog? Right. Okay, foods with Q for 400. The answer there is the Daily Double. Well, Gloria, you've got to leave $2,100. You're performing beautifully. How much of that are you going to risk on your knowledge of the subject? Foods that start with the letter Q. All of it. According to legend, it was the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. What is a quince? Yes. And so I would just sit in the barbershop and watch Jeopardy because it came on in the afternoon. And people would just watch me watch Jeopardy because I'm like 10, 11 years old and I'm rattling all these answers off out loud, straight down to categories, right? Single Jeopardy, double Jeopardy. I'm getting final Jeopardies. Like I was like, I could just run it. That was my thing, right? That was, that was one of my more fun things to do. I'd play Jeopardy at home on the Commodore 64 or the 128, whichever one it was. I think we had the 64. Like I was about that. Like that was, that was my thing. Useless trivia. That was my bag. Yeah, man, I actually had a, a similar experience with Jeopardy because I was like, you know, one of those kids that, I, you know, quote unquote gifted or what have you. And so after school, like my parents were working. I was at my grandma's house. You feel me? And so she would always have Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy on every night. So when I was doing my homework or whatever, I'd be watching Jeopardy with her and she'd just be like excited because she knew like I would just get so happy to go and just say every answer, you know, and I'd be like probably about 70, 80% of them, right? You know, and that was just like my thing. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get older and get on Jeopardy. And then of course, like when you get that age, you don't really care about that. <laughs> yeah, like I, let me tell you at this point in my life, man, well, I ain't going on Jeopardy. Ain't nobody gonna be happy for me if I win. They expect for, me to win. I'm, I'm for show hating. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm saying they just expect me to win. I'm booing like hell, like man. Well, let me tell you this too, man. Like I watched Celebrity Jeopardy once when I was a kid, and I'll never forget this. Luke Perry finished in second place, and Cheech finished in first. Cheech Marin, he finished in first. And all I'm saying is, Cheech Marin knew a whole bunch of stuff. If I went out there on Jeopardy and I lost to Cheech, you think anybody would ever let me live that down? Because I don't. No, no, no. But the Celebrity Jeopardy was always dumbed down too. It's gonna be Kwame and the polka dots after that shit. <laughs> That's yeah, like I would be. I would also need to do some studying, right? Like I don't read fiction and literature and stuff like that. I'd have to go learn up on that. I'd have to get back up on like I ain't looked at a map of Europe in quite a long time. I don't even know what all the countries is. Like I need to go back and get myself like I, I'd have to do so I'd have to get into training camp before I went all to go do Jeopardy. Yeah, I was more of a will of a fortune. Um, 
family feud type homie. You know what let, I mean? me ask like, you, let me ask you this question about Wheel of Fortune out, out there because I can't remember. Which comes on first, Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy? I'm going to say uh, Wheel of Fortune. All right. Jeopardy, so everywhere. Jeopardy seemed I, like it has like a later, later run. Yeah. Everywhere I lived, Wheel of Fortune would come on and then Jeopardy would come on. New York is the first place I've ever lived where Jeopardy comes on first and then Wheel of Fortune. And that's like lifting the heavyweights first and then like doing jumping jacks at the end to me, right? Like it don't like you need to warm up to get ready for Jeopardy. Wheel of Fortune be so bored after Jeopardy. You're like, man, it's just hangman, dog. Yeah, no, it's just, exactly. I actually, that's all that shit is, yo. That's I think it's crazy. the opposite, right? I think in LA it's the opposite. I think Jeopardy come on first. And then it's Wheel of Fortune after that. Yeah, nah, man. I need, I need, like, Wheel of Fortune is a good warm up to the workout. Right. Nah, yeah. It's definitely like, it was the letdown. I remember that. It was like, you know, you like you said, you get all hyped, you ready for Jeopardy. It's like, boom. And it's like, Wheel of Fortune come on. It's like, all right, I don't even really want to watch it. Yo, because <laughs> the, di- the difference between Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy is the charm of Jeopardy is that not everybody can do this. The charm of Wheel of Fortune is that anybody can do this. Well, see, I liked it because you can make a simple ass mistake, like spinning a wheel and getting bankrupt, or just yeah. a dumbass nigga not knowing how to pronounce this shit was always funny to me. Because during that time, I liked the college one. I liked uh, just different ones though. Like that shit was like, cause it was cool, and I also had that shit on Sega, so I was really firing it up. Like Vanna White was fire to me back then. Like, I feel like the Price is Right was really the only other game show. That Price was. is Right was fire, too. I always wanted to go on and do, the, and do the wheel. Yeah, it's not like no trivia or nothing, but it was like the little games that they would have was kind of fun to watch. So funny well, the thing, thing about The that? Price is Right, when you have an adult sensibility attached to it, yo, Bob Barker, like, yo, man, he is, he's here. I would say he's here to get a business to your granny, but she's too old for him. Like your granny is watching The Price is Right because she wished Bob Barker would give her the business, right? Bob Barker is actually looking at your sister. They but his whole crushing on him. Yeah, his whole steez. Like I had never thought about when all the women would come and kiss him on the cheek and stuff like that. Like, again, a totally different era of television and things. I, I was not grasping that Bob Barker, his whole steez was given off. Kiss me on the cheek. Like what right. cologne you think he wore? Because I bet he wore a lot of it. He yeah, right. I was gonna say he looked like he just had a scotch in the back, like on the rocks. You know what I'm saying? And he just had, you know, the fine leather couches and shit like that in his crib. I've grown to love that show, Price is Right, because like the day you would play sick or whatever, you didn't want to go to school. It wasn't really shit popping except PBS, but PBS wouldn't roll out until like 2 p.m. on Pacific time. So you like, damn, I skipped school. My grandma used to watch Young and the Restless. I grew up with, I, I watched a lot of Young and the Restless. So it was like Price is Right, then Young and, the, Young and the Restless. So I'm like, damn, I really miss school. School really probably was lit. And I'm thinking, once nine o'clock hit, them, com- them cartoons are off. Yes. Like, I just played myself, and now I got to watch adult TV. <laughs> and after a while, I just got accustomed to, it wasn't too many. I had too many sick days, but like, the days I had like tests and shit, I was just skipping out on that shit, just getting the soup. My grandma, mm-hmm. why do, first of all, I, this is probably a worldwide question. Why do black people eat that salty ass, high sodium Campbell noodle soup with a Sprite 
<laughs> yeah. Or, bro, that shit did not fix everything. I, remember I used to have a crazy fever, dog. I'd be eating that shit and, you know, but I wanted to get back to school. So I'd be like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. By the way, true, true or false, Victor Newman, G among G's. Absolutely. The G of all G's. Yes. There's 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 no ain't nobody to like if you out here not repping for the for the for the for the Victor Newman, I can just assume that she was raised by suckers. That's fact. <laughs> for sure. That's for sure, man. All right. Uh my last topic, video games. All right. So you mentioned Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Which system did you start your video game life with? All right. So as I told you, I was accustomed to my mama not spending money on stuff, right? I didn't get a Nintendo, which came out in 1985, until Christmas 1989. That is when I finally got a Nintendo, all right? Oh, I need oh, you to- Oh, we twins. You, I need you to understand this. We had a pool in the backyard but my mama wouldn't spend $90 to get her son, who had impeccable grades, a Nintendo. I got the Nintendo the year I stopped asking for the Nintendo. All right. So I got the Nintendo. And I mean, you know, it comes with Super Mario Brothers. So we go do that. And then I borrowed Mike Tyson's punch out from somebody. I don't remember who, because that was always always an intricate game of like borrowing games from your homies, right? Like you you give them whatever, but I had no games, right? Somebody was kind enough to give me Mike Tyson's punch out. And in retrospect, that only could have happened because that person must have never been able to beat Mike, right? And so I got on the mic. I beat him one time and never played again. But it took a long time before I could get to the place of beating Mike Tyson. But then somebody got me on that Tecmo Bowl. And I contend the Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl, those are two best games in the history of Nintendo or anywhere. I don't care what the quality of your graphics was, it's all this improved, whatever. It ain't never like Tecmo Bowl was so wild. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but there was no football game that more realistically replicated, uh, like actually playing football. You know, like it was it was just the it was just the OG game. And that was the one, man. You just like I just sit at home, man, just playing that. Cause I was I was my brother and sister are much older than me. They're like 10 and 13 years older than me. So I grew up in effect like an only child. So I was just, you know, just playing into just playing the seasons, beating Tecmo Bowl with as many teams as you possibly can. That was the joint. And then somewhere along the way, my parents decided to stop tripping. And I started getting video game systems more on schedule with everybody else. And I got that Super Nintendo. That was bomb. Like that, you know, that that was where I went. And then I rode it all the way up to the PlayStation 3, I want to say. And then after that, I just had too much work. Yeah, it, that's the thing. You know, the fun police is actually being an adult. Yes. Um, but that's crazy that you got your first Nintendo in 89. I got mine. My dad actually, um, he was a hustler in the streets, you know, a gang member. So uh, sold some cocaine to a, a smoker. They, they, they stole it and end up giving him a Nintendo with a duffel bag full of games. So I had a duffel bag full of games, yo. I had games that I'm... Like now are like cult classics, but like also be the B sides of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Logi Man. Uh, what else did I have? So I had Punch Out. I had Karate the Kung Fu shit. I had um, Double Dribble. I had. Um, I had Double Dribble. You know, like Donkey Kong. I had Excite Bike. I had. You know, obviously, 
I got the next year's Tecmo Bowl, which was Super Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. Um, duh, any any game, any po- Zelda, the fucking gold cartridge, right? Any game that you possibly could think of, even the track and field shit with the pad, bro. We oh, I love that. Get, that shit was hard body. The Doug Hut, Doug Hut with the gun. But we had everything, and I'm like five at this time, so I'm just like, okay, this shit is lit. But then Sonic hit, and I just gave that shit to my little cousin, my my, my girl cousin, Trinisha. Like, yo, you can have this. Like, this is yours. She like, for real? She don't even know. I just got this Sega. I got Sonic 1. I'm putting in the codes. Like, I'm being exposed to all this new shit. Like, you know what I mean? And then I rolled Sega out to Live 95 and all that. And now I'm still going. I'm at PlayStation 5. You know, but, you know, since I'm moving to New York, we got a chance. We're going to relive this whole New York uh, NES uh, thing because I have still got it. So listen, I have an arcade system that's modded with 10,000 games. And I have every regular Nintendo title ever created. I have every Super Nintendo title ever created. So whenever you want to play, we'll definitely run a Tecmo Bowl and, you know, whatever. I'm with that because... What about what about when the the handheld joints came out? The Game Boy. So Yo. before that, so before that, we had you. You remember the name of it? You help me. It was a Tiger? Remember the company Tiger Company? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you know that, Jason, because you you uh-huh. close to you close in age with us. It was like, indiv- individual handheld games, like the baseball. Was oh right. yeah, 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 yeah. I used to have those too. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. So it was ran by the Tiger Company. Ever dream of managing your own big league baseball team? Introducing Tigers Baseball All-Stars from the Gamecock Series. Pick your starting lineup. Fox, Puppet, Mattingly, Sierra. Hear their real stats. Batting average .330. Make substitutions using real superstars. Russell has been replaced by Hershider. Game Talk tells you every play. Jackson, home run. You make all the calls with Game Talk, the next generation from Tiger Electronics. Yeah, because there was had this super colorful little thing on the outside of it and you just had that one game yeah and it would flicker that's how you would know the next thing and you had mm-hmm. to like kind of time it so if they threw the baseball it would go flat flat, yep flat. and then you had to hit the button and then you hit it and either say home run or he goes and goes to the base yep. and that was crazy shouts to uh bases loaded too fire game yeah Baseball stars is my joint on that. Baseball star but it's, it's actually funny you mentioned how you acquired that Nintendo's made me think about the Game Boy, where one of my older sisters got me a Game Boy right when they had come out. In retrospect, I have questions about the acquisition of uh this particular uh that was like think again, I'm telling you that my parents ain't getting me that. And all of a sudden, my sister, who worked at the mall selling perfume, showed up at the crib with a Game Boy for me. That means somebody came up on one. I don't know how. I don't know why. But somebody came up on one. That was me with the PlayStation 2. I was the only person in the hood in Compton with the PlayStation. Like, it was Circuit City, where they had a display with Madden. And it was me. And I remember, rest in peace, the homie Raymond, right? He comes to my crib. I, he had been talking shit, right, in high school. This is 11th grade. This is Madden 2001. And he's like, man, I got the PS2, too. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. So, like, you know, kids being kids, teenagers and shit. He like, oh, nigga, what's the, what the bottom of the color of the, uh, the disc look like? Mm-hmm. Now, if you know, it's blue. 
He like, man, quit playing with me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I'm going to stop asking these questions. You want to come to the crib? So the homie's like inviting people to my house because they like, yo, Trey got Madden. He got NBA Street, all this shit, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. I ain't tripping. My grandma really nice. She letting everybody come through. I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Turn the game on. We'll, we can start. This nigga couldn't turn the game on, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm like, bro, what, what, what happened? Because the other homie had stepped out to hop on the phone. He like, man, I don't really got this shit, man. How you turn it on? I'm like, man, it's in the back. You hit the switch. <laughs> but it was so crazy. That's how crazy that system was. Because they sold out pre-launch. And then Circuit City had that display where it was like glassed up, where you really couldn't steal it if you wanted to, but you could play it. And niggas would be waiting in line, really firing it up. And they're like, oh, we'll trade the only person that got it. And I'm going to be that same way next week with the PS5, but it's just kind of like. Hey, niggas used to really be in Best Buy, bro. Like All day. Bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I used to do that. The places that had it set up that you could test the games. Yeah, I was here for that. I was well, I was the first person that. also, too. I had a childhood friend and. I, if he had a name like this, you know he bad. His name was Cha-Cha, right? Mm -hmm. And Cha-Cha was like the, I don't know if he was actually cool, but I looked up to him. You know what I'm saying? He could do backflips. This kid had a duck tail. He's like Jason's complexion or whatever. Had like little girlfriends and shit. He's way older than me. I shouldn't have been hanging out with him. His dad used to take us to the movie theater and drop us off. And Cha-Cha taught me how to like jump from movie to movie to movie to movie, bro. We would spend the entire day in the movie theater and watch like five movies, right? Mm -hmm. But along that time, we would start the morning off and my grandma's like, oh, okay, yeah, I trust Charles because his name is Charles. You know, go hang out with him. I'm like seven or eight. Well, Charles would have me lifting fucking video games, bro. Like, <laughs> and put it in my pocket, bro. We had every game on Sega. And Super Nintendo, like we were just walking, and that was way before the whole little sensor thing. Mm -hmm. Before you could walk through that shit, we just was walking out with games. Or I would go into like, I forgot what it's like, Walden Books. Mm -hmm. It was another another bookstore that was like OG back then. And I would get the Game Pro, and in the back it had all the all the cheat codes for everything in the back. I would tear from Nintendo to Neo Geo and just. And then just balling up and put it in my sock, bro. And one day a lady was like, hey, what are you doing? My heart beating so fast, bro. <laughs> I'll run it. And uh, yeah, man. But me and Chacha actually got caught doing uh, lifting um, pullout radios. And they let me go because I was too young. Wow. But he went to he went to um, LP, the Los Padrinos. And then he ended up, couldn't stop. And then he ended up going to prison. He got out like right when I was graduating from college. My mom gave him my number. He called me. I'm like, who is this? And it was, you know, but shout out to Cha Cha, man. He was, he was a he was a quote unquote cool guy, but a bad guy. Yeah, he's a cha cha. <laughs> he was a cha-cha for sure, man. He was definitely whatever, whatever he was supposed to be. Hey, as a 50 cent say, whatever that nigga said, he did that shit. <laughs> he was that dude. <laughs> he was that dude, man. Um, what's your favorite childhood memory? That's a good question. What is my favorite childhood memory? Hmm. I guess I got one that stands out that jumps out. So my pops used to, um, is academic. Both my parents are academics, but he had a stretch there in his career where he go work at a school for a couple of years, work at another school for a couple of years, but he was going and we wasn't going with him. Right. 
And I remember once I, I was, it was this is when I was we were living in Atlanta, and I forget where he was working at the time. And we were doing swimming lessons because I grew up around the revolutionaries and they made sure that we could like swim and fight and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? And I just remember once I'm there and for whatever it is, because my daddy coming to town, he came to the pool and I did in retrospect, the most reckless thing in the world. But I was like five, just flew up and ran and jumped up into him like I was dry, but I'm sure that ground was wet. Like in retrospect, I could have died that day. But I, like, if you were to ask me like a day or a moment that I remember like being the happiest, like that is probably like, the one that jumps out. All right. Why do you think Atlanta sports is cursed? I mean, I don't think they curse, man. Some people just sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the Falcons ain't cursed, man. They got something in their DNA. Like, and that's what it is, man. Like, you know, like that that's just in it for them it's funny people don't even include the hawks in this the hawks just be so damn irrelevant that nobody ever thinks about the bad things that happen to them to be like connected to anything cosmic they just the hawks you know and the braves hey man i got a world series out of that i can't act like it's that bad right what's uh what's the greatest sports moment that you ever covered oh i was there when ray allen made the shot in game six. Oh, nice like the two things that I'll always talk about, like things I was there for Ray Allen making that shot. And the first two rounds of the 2008 NCAA tournament, I was at Steph Curry site. Yeah, wasn't, I wasn't working, but I seen the LeBron Le, LeBron block. I think that was my very first finals I've ever went to. And then from there, I haven't missed one. Yeah. I think I was, I had to have been at that game. That was, that was, oh, wait, 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 are you talking about the Iguodala block? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was not at that game. Because that yeah, was nice. that was in Oakland, Father's Day, twenty sixteen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was there, and it was so it was so crazy because like the intensity they had the shirts made, mm-hmm. everything, bro. After that game, the city of Oakland was dead. I'm like, oh my god, like, because I'm thinking like, oh, was, you know, like, bro, we couldn't get no food. That's how <laughs> that that shit sucked the energy out of that shit. I was like, oh my god, like it's over. Like this is the I had never really thought about how depressing that had to be. Like, good thing they won a championship the year before. Can you imagine if this was supposed to be your first championship in 40 years? Yo, that shit was nuts, man. I couldn't even believe that shit. But then also watching them just kind of constantly win and having to keep going to Oakland, which I love Oakland as a city, but I was ready to switch it up. So when they did Oakland, Toronto, and I got to be in Toronto and kept going back and forth. Oh, that was, that was sweet. I don't know yeah, what the, I, I don't know what I, it's like now. I did the finals the best way. Moved to Miami and go to the games in Miami and skip San Antonio. Nobody wants to go to San Antonio. It's <laughs> just like Compton. Uh, how does it feel to be noticed and acknowledged as a black intellectual on television? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I think it's like, I might be a smart dude, but I'm not really trafficking in the space of true intellectuals at this point, right? Like, you got to have a certain humility about yourself. Like, I'm talking to Dan about this all the time, and Dan's like, you can do the things that ta Coates does. And I'm like, I would have to go into training for, like, five years to be able to do the things that he does. Like, I'm not there. Like, there are people who are doing, like, much more complex stuff or whatever than me. I do dig the fact, though, that people appreciate my insights. You know, yeah. like there's a lot of stuff I can talk about and people know it's a lot of stuff I can talk about. And even if I'm not the biggest expert on the topic, I do dig the fact that people can take a value in the things that I might see. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think compared comparatively, you know, with the people in your field, you know, it it sticks out a little bit more. And, you know, 
to Dan's point, you definitely could do that if you wanted to, you know, go in that direction. But like you said, it might take a little bit more of a intellectual discipline. Well, you also got to remember, I went to grad school to study for a PhD and flunked out on it, right? <laughs> like I have, I have made, I mean, it, like, and I could probably go back, like if that was never on the record or whatever, I could probably go back and get it done if I felt like it. Like it wasn't a matter of being incapable. I didn't get it done. Like I'm not getting it done is the part that matters, but I don't think it was like a matter of capability but i remember at one point i forget who it was that told me that was like no your value is just to go do this in a different space you know and that's actually something coach once told me where he was just like yo you got to realize what you're doing in sports you are reaching people who otherwise would never hear any of these ideas in any place that's a fact because before we became friends i used to be like that's a black dude right there. I'm going to watch because I don't know what these niggas is talking about, but that's a black dude for sure. Because for real, I I always tell Amin and everybody else, I'm just like, bro, I wasn't fucking with his being like that. For one, I wasn't paying for cable because I didn't care that much. Like, I'm right. like, I hooped. I'm, my my eyes is a little, nobody going to really tell me different, which most of the timeline and Twitter and the barbershops feel that way until you become in that space. When you get in that space, right. you have a different eye and a view and, you know, you got more respect on the delivery and how the questions and all that other shit. And, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you uh, being representation because all I seen was my main man, <laughs> my Rashad, <laughs> which I was an OG, but I didn't see the other shit. You know what I mean? Like I would watch PTI and all these other shows and, you know, around the horn and I'm looking like. Yeah, I, I think it's corny. <laughs> well, the thing, well, the thing that happened with me though is once I realized they understand what I'm talking about, right? Like I am not like I've been around and in so many spaces and places that I guess you call it code switching. But what I really feel like I found more than anything is a baseline level at which you can communicate with people, right? Like. I think the way that I'm talking to you right now on this particular topic, I can talk in this tone in literally any room that you put me in, right? Like you could take me to some hood shit right now, me talking like this about this, and they will understand what I'm talking about, right? They'll know where I'm coming from. You could put me in a high level room right now. They will know what I am talking about. They will understand what it is that I was saying. And like, that was the thing for me is I really figured out you get to decide. I read this recently, but they were like, you decide who understands you. You know, and so at some point I had a realization that people like it blows my mind, honestly, that people just like identify me as being like, quote unquote, the smart person, because I feel like I'm around a bunch of smart people on television, you know, and in these other spaces. Like, I don't I don't know exactly what people hear that jumps out to them in that way. But like, but that thing happens. But since that happens just organically, I don't have to tell you I don't. Well, I have to, I, after I just spent all this time telling you how smart I am, um, I don't have to try to show you in that way how smart I am. So as a result, I'm talking about the stuff like this. And in all the spaces I'm in, I think you'll notice that the level of discourse is actually like pretty eye level. You know, like it, it, I'm, I'm doing my best to come to where it is that people are. And I figured out after a point that that is the part that is probably the most appreciated by people who like what I do and consume the content that I'm making is that I'm not make I'm trying not to make it hard for you to get on board with what it is that I'm talking about. Like they, I don't win. If you don't understand me, nobody wins under those, under those circumstances. Yeah. That was a bar, by the way, <laughs> that was a bar. I, I, I was like, 
We jot that shit down. <laughs> I said, what's that? You understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but they understand. Like, that's one thing. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, Marshawn Lynch is a great example of this, right? Like, Marshawn Lynch is Captain Anti-Code Switch. But you know what? They understand every single word that he's saying. And the mm-hmm. only thing that really matters when you are communicating with people is whether or not people understand you. Like, once you're in the room, you don't have to prove you're supposed to be in the room. Once right. you're in the room, you just need them to understand you. And that dude understands that they understand him. Yeah, and he's constantly reminding people how intelligent he is. Yes. Through through the simplest ways, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, a whole lot of people have spent a lot of their black lives, and it's for understandable reasons, but they spent a lot of their black lives um, trying to show people that they are not like the rest of them or not what you think black people are or so forth and so on. And I actually think that there's a greater value for somebody like me demonstrating that actually I am like them. I am like that person that you say you don't rock with or you can't take. No, 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 no. I am him. We, you just didn't know that him came like this. Ain't that crazy? Like I once went to lunch. I'm rambling. So forgive me on this, but I once went to lunch with a gentleman uh, this is when I was working in North Carolina. So this is about 11 years ago and uh, older. He's passed away now, but older conservative white man. And I mean, yeah, conservative is the way that I put it. Like I could say definitively, right? He loved my radio show, but he was so confused because he couldn't figure out why I was so smart, but my grammar was so sporadic. Like he just could not, he could not put those two things together. You know what I mean? Like, cause to him, the people that were in that space would go out of their way to, you know, to dress it up and demonstrate whatever it was. And I was operating on the, you know what I'm talking about. Like the tone I use is about whatever the emotion is that I want to convey. It's not really about who the people are that are in the room, right? Like, it's not about who I'm, you know, trying to get up to a level or whatever it is. It really is. Sometimes ain't no makes the point better than that is not. Right. You know, like that's that's just the way. Sometimes works. Yeah. Like that's just, yeah, that's just the way it goes. It just depends on what you're talking about in the way that it goes. And so I met the dude for lunch one day and he would have these days. And like, I once walked into the press room and I heard him reciting, like telling somebody, well, this is what Bomani was saying on the radio today. And this is when I'm 28 years old and he's in his seventies. You know what I mean? Like this is, like, it was actually a very humbling thing to kind of see, like, your peers doing that. So, but then I get the angry emails from him when I was going just a little too far in a direction. And he would just be like, why, why, I can't figure out if he couldn't figure out why he didn't, why he liked it or why he didn't like these other things. But it put him in this confounding place because he was not expecting that somebody like me would make the decision that we're going to make this as simple as possible. He just couldn't grasp that. All right, we've got the question that we ask all our guests every show. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? All right, so my 18-year-old self is a sophomore in college. And I think the advice that I would give him is... You're going to lose a couple times along the way, and that's okay. I think that's the the biggest thing. Because at 18 years old, I never had any reason to believe that I would ever fail at anything. There's never like that, that, that just that. 
that never crossed my mind. Like, you know, people tell you long enough, you can do anything you set your mind to. All right, cool. Well, that's that. I never thought for a moment in my life that there would ever be anything that I would fail at. Little did I know that I would flunk out of grad school. I'd be fired from a stretch of about two or three jobs. Um, and this is all before I turned 30. You know, like that never crossed my mind that I would like get a dream job and get fired from it a year later. Um, and then three years later, come back to that company in a bigger, more impactful role. And then 10 years after that, you know, haven't been able to say that I hosted two TV shows and all of that stuff. Like I never, never would have believed that any of that was possible. Like I thought that the way it went was that you were on your upward path or whatever it is. And then you got knocked down and then wherever you landed was kind of where you wound up, you know, that wound up being, you know, the path and direction that you would wind up going on. And no, it doesn't really work that way. It's a little bit more about some ups and downs along the way, but you're going to find out along the way. And I think this is something that probably a lot of grownups don't think about in these terms. And they probably should, which is you're just not going to be good at everything. Or you might be good at something, but you're not going to be the best at everything. You're not going to be like excellent at everything. And if you are demonstrated that you are simply very good at something, that might not be enough. But that does not mean that you are like not good enough. That means that at doing this one thing, you could not do it, you know? Um, but there's a good chance that there's something else that you can do. And you go ahead and you you rock that out. Like as I have gotten older, the biggest thing I respect about Michael Jordan, like I was talking about, I wouldn't want to go be on Jeopardy and lose. Michael Jordan went and played baseball in front of the world and didn't care if he only hit 200. He was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna give it a run. I might not be good at this. You know, like I talk about coats, coats have written comic books, writing novels, like doing all this stuff. And he's like, and I might not be good at it. We'll see. Cause sometimes you're just not going to be good at it. And then, that ain't, but that ain't a reflection on you. That's a bar. Well, you know, I definitely enjoyed this time. Me and Jason could talk to you probably for hours, sure. but definitely got to let you go. My media, my media cousin. <laughs> no, man, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It was a good time. No, thank you, man. We appreciate everything, all the bars you dropped in this sure. short amount of time. So it, it's actually funny as I'm finishing this that what I did my podcast today with uh, my man Joel Anderson at Slate. And Joel lives in the Bay and he's going to be doing the next season of Slow Burn on Slate. He's going to be about the riots in 92. And I was telling him the best part about that is going to be I love to hear anything with a bunch of LA dudes talking, a bunch of dudes who have no idea that they have one of the funniest accents in the world. No, no, no clue. Like, no, I, I did not realize it until I got to college. And I was like, what is that sound? Like, I was like, oh, this is a Calico. It's just not a place that people associate with an accent, right? The next thing you know, dude's like, oh, you man, I'm trying to go over there and give me some Kool-Aid, dog. And you're like, Oh, that, was the, I, oh. that was the that was the worst LA accent I, I ever heard. I can't say it, but I don't hear it, it either. Yeah, yeah, I can't say it like it's certain words, right? Like y'all enunciate in a real strong sort of way, but not right. in a proper way. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. You know, and so there's like there's a pull at the at the top part on some of the words and drag it out some of the vowels 
that is y'all, but no one ever talks about what, like we talk about what a southern what a southern accent is, right? We talk about like especially with white folks, like you know a Midwestern accent when you hear it. We know what a New York accent is, like we know what all of those. California never got stuck with the idea that y'all got an accent, and you could hear an LA dude coming from a mile away. Like you hear him, <laughs> you hear him. It may I not be on. a good LA accent, but you know damn well what I was talking about right there. I got on Clubhouse and I spoke and somebody said, hey, man, I ain't going to hold you. It's kind of eerie. You sound like Nipsey Hussle. I said, <laughs> come on, man. Y'all, y'all I reach. I never think that Trey sound like Nipsey. At all. At I don't all. think you sound like Nipsey. You just sound like you from L.A. But then somebody like- will say, you sound like YG and all that. And I think it's just because, like you said, the enunciation of it of like, yo, I'm not, yo, you got the car? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, we do that. But I don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> I know, but that's the best thing because y'all are so oblivious to it. And so you just be around them. Like, it's obviously funnier with people from Oakland. Not funny, but they've got their own accent. Oh, they shit is whole. They, they, they a whole nother different yeah, thing. And then, and then they just have, they're the kings of slang in the world, right? So they're talking in a tone that no one else talks in, using words that appear to be English, but are not like anything anybody else is talking about. Mm-hmm. Marshawn yeah. Lynch. There we go, right? Full circle. Hey, I got a homie that'll really explain, like, I was over there and I said, ah! and then, you know, I was like, hello. <laughs> and it just get to a whole nother grind. But man, we might have to do a whole podcast about different slangs around the world. Oh man, God, both. I love talking about slang. That, that, would, be, that would be awesome, man. Both, thank you so much.